2022, that's today. That's when this, this begins. So down the road, when we say, when did this begin? Remember October 2nd, 2022. Uh, today, and we're going to cover a lot of ground today, uh, verse 1. <laughs> but we want to look at the, the prophet. We want to look at the author of this book. But I want to remind you that when we approach the Bible, uh, we don't look at it as just a historical book, uh, especially the prophets, this, this writing, the events of Israel, though it is a historical book. It is a book whereby holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What we have is the record from God. Yes, he used a man. Uh, please do not mistake uh, inspiration of the scriptures with this idea, what is called dictation theory, which uh, it's a straw man mainly that many will use to try to discredit Christianity. Uh, the idea that we believe, uh, this is what the claim is, that we believe that, you know, Jeremiah just, for example, became this puppet and all of a sudden lost his own, like maybe he was in a trance because he didn't use his mind and God just guided his his pen and Jeremiah had no idea what he was writing, and poof, we have the scriptures. God dictated it. God literally moved his hand. No, when you read the scriptures, when it says, holy men of God spake as they are moved by the Holy Ghost, God used their circumstances. God used these people. God used their personalities. God used their minds and their thinking so that each writer of the scriptures will have a different perspective. You'll see their personality in it. You'll see their circumstances. And so if we just were to compare the major prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, for example, just these two men, both of them had very similar messages, just like the other Old Testament prophets. Uh, and a lot of their messages were especially uh, the pre-exilic before God judged Israel, uh, especially the pre-exilic prophets, which is the majority, the bulk of them here in the scriptures, it was a negative message. It was a message of judgment to come. And yet, it's interesting that Jeremiah so different than any other books because of who Jeremiah was. You will hear this probably a million times before we're done. But Jeremiah has been called the weeping prophet. And there's a reason for that. And it's not just that his message was doom and gloom, judgment. Uh, other prophets had that same message. And other prophets didn't handle it the same way that Jeremiah did. Jeremiah had heart. Some likened him to a, uh, the love of a mother for, for their child, that Jeremiah uh, was broken. Jeremiah pained for the people of Israel with his message. He was just literally devastated and would, would cry. Literally, the weeping prophet. Not just as he gave the message, but as he lived through it. Now, God called him in an early age, as we'll see in chapter 1, somewhere down the road. But God called him at an early age, and he preached. He prophesied for over 40 years he saw the destruction of Jerusalem. He saw and lived through and preached through the Babylonian captivity. And he was involved in all of that. The both, and he was the, you know, preordained to, to preach. Judgment's going to come if you don't repent. 
Not a popular message. So we're going to look today at Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. And we see in verse 1, let's dig into verse 1, the words of Jeremiah. Now, by the way, Jeremiah is a, a man's name, a popular man's name. Uh, there were at least six to eight other Jeremiahs listed in Scripture that are not the Jeremiah that we're talking about here. Uh, there's just many references in the scriptures of people named Jeremiah that were not this prophet. Again, it was just a normal Hebrew name. Uh, so keep that in mind. Every time you read Jeremiah, uh, you're not necessarily talking about this prophet, the weeping prophet. So the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah. He was a priest of Israel. So we're going to talk about Jeremiah's father. Because what happened in his father's life is very significant to what God would call Jeremiah to, the people he would minister to. Uh, so let's go back now. I want you to look at 2 Kings chapter 22. Keep your place in Jeremiah 1. Although pretty soon you'll have verse 1 memorized, I suspect. But let's go to 2 Kings chapter 22. And by the way, 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings give to us the, the history of Israel. And many, in fact, most in the Old Testament, the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and so forth, were called to minister to Israel during the times of the history that you read about from 1 Samuel through 2 Chronicles, that those books give us the history and then the prophets give us the writing of what God's message was during that time. The, the latter prophet, the, the minor prophets, what are called, it would, um, which would be um, jo, uh, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, other than Jonah. Those were, those were prophets that ministered uh, after post-exilic prophets. So that would be the history of Ezra and Nehemiah. Those prophets came during that time. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 22 and let's learn something about Jeremiah's father Jeremiah was called to be a prophet we'll read in chapter 1 at a very early age so what happened to his father uh, this, this man was a young boy and what happened to his father was pretty significant so let's look again at 2 Kings chapter 22 the Bible says Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. So not only was Jeremiah called to be a prophet at a young age, even though those are early years, since God called him, we don't have record of. There was, you know, mainly his ministry began years after his call. But so Josiah was called to be a king. Um, and it says he was eight years old when he began to reign. That's when he officially became king. Uh, much like King James, the King James Version, uh, became a king at a very young age. Uh, I think he was two, if I remember right. So, you know, he did not make any decrees. Can you imagine living, you know, let's see what the toddler says today as he rules our country. No, it wasn't that. In fact, uh, with King James, he had, he had people that, you know, and it's all a power grasp. He had people that tried to ma manipulate him and you know, they were in charge of him, and they basically ruled until he was old enough to take, take charge. And with King James, at least, he took charge at a pretty early age when he realized what was going on. 
Well, here, Josiah was eight years old. And again, he did not make any decrees during that time. But when he began to reign, and he reigned 30 and one years in Jerusalem. So as he got older, uh, he would begin to take on the leadership. And his mother's name was Jedediah, the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that, take note of this, if you remember the history of Israel's kings. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Too many times when you read about the kings in Israel and Judah, they do that which is evil. And that's how it's worded. But not Josiah. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And keep in mind, we just finished the book of 1 John, where it continually said that those that walk in the light do not sin. And, and very much like this, you know, Josiah did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, walked in all the way of David his father, turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Just as 1 John was not claiming, is not claiming we need to be literally sinless. Josiah was not perfect. And I, and I see, when I read this, I see the grace of God. Here's a man that had a heart for God, that was imperfect, that made mistakes, and yet this was God's take on him. Just like David was a king after God's own heart. And it says that in scriptures, after he did all his things that we know about. So, Josiah, verse 2, did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, walked in all the way of David his father, turned not to the right hand nor to the left. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah. Okay, so now he's getting on in years. He's in his 20s and probably, you know, starting to make some, some decisions and be in charge. The king sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest. That is Jeremiah's dad. Jeremiah 1.1. 1, 1. Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, that he may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people. And let them deliver it into the hand of the doors of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the Lord's house, and to repair the breaches of the house. So God had been neglected. His house, his tabernacle, his tent had been, his, his temple rather, had been neglected. And now Josiah begins some of his reforms and begins to, we need to get things in order in the Lord's house. And um, verse 5, let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. Let them give it to the doers of the work, which is in the house of the Lord, to repair the breaches of the house. Unto carpenters and builders and masons, to buy timber and hewn stone to repair it. Howbeit, there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand, because they dealt faithfully. Wow, that's a verse that'll preach you know here's someone that was you didn't need to keep him accountable and the fact that he was so faithful so trustworthy you didn't they didn't even need to no reckoning was made and, and in this sense the idea of this is no reckoning was need to be made now verse 8 and Hilkiah Jeremiah's dad the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe I have found the book someday who knows how much earlier than this maybe probably somewhat recently Hilkiah is going through some of the things in the temple and he looks over in the corner 
And he says, what is that thing covered in dust? Hmm, maybe like some Christians. Their Bible. And And he looked, he went over there, he brushed it off, and he said, what is this? It was a book that had long been neglected. It was a book that had not been opened for quite some time. In fact, it had escaped the memories of those present people living. They were so unfamiliar with the book of the law of God. He said, I found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again and said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of them that do the work that have had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Folks, we're not talking about someone finding a copy of Aesop's Fables, which was not around back then. We're not talking about somebody coming across some ancient piece of literature from some philosopher. We are talking about someone that has found the Word of God and then reads it, and it had not been read in years. And I submit to you, folks, that what is about to happen from this point on is totally, uniquely the result of of the power of God's word. God's word is powerful. And it came to pass, verse 11, it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, he rent his clothes. He tore his clothes. That was a sign of remorse, repentance, tearing their clothes, putting on sackcloth and ashes, was a visible thing that the Hebrews would do to show uh, great sorrow and remorse. And that's exactly how Josiah responded when he heard the words, which had not been heard in years. Verse 12, And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, that's Jeremiah's dad, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Ashiah, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the works of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us, because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according unto all that is written concerning us. Did you get that? His response, first of all, He is broken himself when he understands and hears what God expects and what God communicated because it had been forsaken. It had been neglected. And then he says immediately, go to the Lord for me, for the people, for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. Why? Now listen, folks. As the Bible, as the law of the Lord was read, And Josiah heard the words of God's holiness and judgment. He had the right response. He knew the implications. Wrath. Judgment. And that's what he said. He said again, uh, For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Now folks, if America 
were to wake up in its course right now, if somebody were to read to them the words of Scripture and what the Bible says about God's holiness and how he must punish sin, the only proper response would be repentance, would be an awakening of, I am in trouble, rightly so, because I have forsaken the Lord God. There is a national pastor from California, I think. He's an older man. Um, and he wrote a letter to the, I want to say the governor of California, um, if you're familiar with him. <laughs> and, um, and he, and he put, filled it with scripture. And he, this man's been lambasted for a lot of things, but, uh, and he's been lambasted for this letter. But, folks, I, I am blessing the Lord that he wrote that letter to, this, to the governor. He included scriptures. And he basically challenged in a loving way, not in a caustic way, not in a, you know, yeah, you're going to get your due. I can't wait till God judges us. But he exhorted the governor that, listen, we have forsaken the God of heaven and judgment is coming. And I'm grateful that that pastor wrote that letter and, and it's been made public. But folks, the only proper response when you and I are made aware of God's truth and holiness and how he must punish sin. The only proper response is, uh-oh, we're in trouble. And that's exactly what Josiah's was. Great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Wow. So, verse 14, Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam and Akbar and Shaphan and Ashiah. Uh, and by the way, I may be butchering some of these names. I've never taken Hebrew. Um, but I have studied the word a lot. And a lot of these names are what I've been calling these men for years. So I may be wrong. And any of you that know Hebrew, please correct me. I will work on changing the pronunciation. Uh, but I don't think that really matters to you because uh, we're learning about these people. So Hilkiah, verse 14. The Hilkiah the priest... And Ahikam and Akbor and Shaphan and Ashiah went unto Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalem, the son of Tikvah, the son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. Now she dwelt in Jerusalem in the college, which was a like a school for the prophets and a building used for education. Um, and they communed with her. She said unto them, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Tell the man that sent to you to me, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods. Remember the greatest two commandments? When Jesus was, it was first love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and then, of course, in the, the Decalogue, the second commandment, thou shalt not. Thou shalt have no, no false gods, no worship, no idols. They have forsaken me. They burned incense unto other gods. The two greatest things that would offend a holy God is taking the glory away from him. That they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Now here's what's happening in America. We're doing the same thing. But you know what? The response of many of these people, in fact, we are going to see what a tragedy in Jeremiah's life was because what was prophesied to these people 
Jeremiah would then live through and be called to minister to these people. You know how many converts Jeremiah made during his decades and decades of ministry? Zero. Jeremiah was rejected. Jeremiah's message was rejected. And Jeremiah uh, was, you know, persecuted, put into prison, and according to to um, history, not in the scriptures, but some even, you know, what is it, tradition or some teachings have that Jeremiah was killed by the remnant themselves, the very people he was called to minister to. And and no no you know no wonder there was a time we'll get to all this. There was a time in Jeremiah's ministry when he wanted to wanted to resign. And he determined in his in his heart, I'm not speaking anymore about the Lord. I'm done. I've had enough. And you can't you can't blame him. I mean, here's a man that's called to to preach to people that don't want to hear who have no interest and it's a message of judgment. But you see, now this was his dad finding the, the, the book of the law, having it read to a king which would pass away and then Jer- new kings would step in that Jeremiah would have to minister to. And here's the difference between Josiah and the kings, many of the kings that Jeremiah would minister to. Josiah cared. Problem today? And, and, and by the way, not only did Josiah care, but Jeremiah cared. But, but the people that he administered to didn't care. They'd hear the same message. The same message that caused this response in Josiah was preached to the multitudes. Judgment is coming. Uh, and now, you and I know historically that God was lining up Babylon to come in and destroy Jerusalem and judge Israel and take them into captivity. And God was so faithful and so loving that before, remember, God gives us space to repent. He did that with Israel. He gave them a long space. He sent men like Jeremiah to warn them because he loved them. He sent prophets that were not calloused. And, you know, some of them, it's interesting how we're made up of different stuff, you know. There are people, there are prophets, there are pastors, evangelists, that um, that don't have, like I mentioned, like a mother's heart. I would call it a pastor's heart. Uh, because I, I, I think mo- most of the pastors I know that stay there the long term have a pastor's heart. They love people. And there's a danger in that. Because you're tenderhearted, you love people, and so your heart breaks when they... Don't walk with the Lord. They make bad choices. Uh, there are other prophets, other, especially in the scriptures, where they also have a, a message of judgment, but it didn't seem to affect them the way it affected Jeremiah. They could preach it, uh, and maybe because of their who they were, their personality makeup, that they weren't as emotionally jarred by the response or should I say, the lack of response from God's people. They were able to preach with the attitude that, you know what? This is what God says. Take it or leave it. And they were able to go on their merry way. Not Jeremiah. He loved these people. And when he saw their response, he was brokenhearted. And again, we'll get to the verse down down the road where he 
in a sense, he resigns. He says, I'm done. I'm not speaking the Lord's message anymore. And uh, that did not last long, uh, because uh, maybe because God would not let him. Uh, but interesting stuff there, but that's down the road. But uh, again, we go back here to verse 13. This response, this response from Josiah, needs to be the response of anyone that has forsaken the Lord. And I'm, I'm talking about people in our country. We are living more and more defiantly against God's ways. The things that God calls precious. The things that are of God that he ordained, such as human life, such as marriage, as God describes it. We are thumbing our nose at God. We don't care what he says. And if someone were to read as is being done, that America deserves God's wrath. People do not respond properly. When was the last time you saw someone like Josiah that when they heard about the wrath of God coming, thought, oh my goodness, we are in trouble. Because that's the response you're supposed to have. But we don't have it. So, verse 16. This is now from this lady, the woman prophet here. Go tell Josiah, thus saith the Lord, Behold, I'll bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, even all the words of the book which the king of Judah hath read. Because they've forsaken me and they burn incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, that's our man Josiah, which sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus shall you say to him, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as touching the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender. I love that. Remember what Second Chronicles says? It says the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. So God is constantly, I think that's still going on today. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro. Happened in the time of Job. Happened in this time. Happens all the time. God is looking continually for people who have hearts that are tender towards him. I suppose it seems he's not finding many in America. He didn't back in Israel. But Josiah was not one of them. Because, verse 19, because his heart, because thy heart was tender, thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord. When thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and hast rent thy clothes and wept before me. Weeping prophet here is, is Josiah, even before. I also have heard thee, saith the Lord. Behold, therefore, now look at verse 20. I will gather thee unto thy fathers. He's talking about his death. She is. And thou shalt be gathered unto thy grave in peace. And thine eyes, thine eyes shall not see all the evil which I will bring upon this place. And they brought the word. And they brought the king the word again. So God said to Josiah, You humbled yourself. You were tender. You repented. So this wrath that you sense is due, you're going to be, you're going to be spared it. You're going to pass away. You're going to end your reign and Live your life out in peace. Wow, what a gift. Guess who that didn't apply to? Jeremiah. He's just a boy. He's going to hear. He's going to live through all this. 
And he's going to minister. He's going to be God's spokesman to a very unpopular message. So, Jeremiah. Let's let's close with some things about Jeremiah. And then, then I want to turn to one book and uh, one passage in Ezekiel, because like Ezekiel, Jeremiah was called to pronounce judgment to people that didn't want to hear it. And so what God told Ezekiel is going to be very appropriate as we start unfolding the book of Jeremiah. Uh, and it's going to be exactly what Jeremiah did. And it wasn't easy. So Jeremiah began his reign in the, uh, at the beginning or during the reign of King Josiah. So he's alive when his dad found the law, when Josiah read it. Uh, he was a young boy. And um, he, in fact, uh, Jeremiah was at Josiah's funeral. He was a mourner at at Josiah's funeral. Some things about Jeremiah's life. He was forbidden to marry, which is an interesting and very unusual, somewhat, when you think of the Old Testament prophets. But he was forbidden to marry because of the times, the terrible times in which he lived. Now, I see that as being the mercy of God. I have read uh, many missionary stories. I had an arm, Judson, Hudson Taylor. There's, and there's so many missionaries' uh, histories and biographies. And uh, many of them that I have read uh, have been tragic as far as the marriages of the missionaries because of the mission field's that God would call people to. I think it, was, it might have been Adoniram Judson that lost a wife or two. Several missionaries, many missionaries have lost their mates. Um, some of them, because, of, of course, before travel, if you're going to go to the mission field, you'd have to travel by sea, sometimes months. And so husband and wife would be separated for years. And they had to fit all this in. And, you know, it, being a missionary is very, very hard on a marriage, especially. Uh, certain mission fields and Jeremiah was no different and and God knew that if Jeremiah was going to be able to dedicate himself completely and the response and all that Jeremiah was going to go through it would be too much just be too much for a woman to come along and bear with Jeremiah be a helpmeet to Jeremiah you know be a teammate and see her husband go through everything that he went through. And in God's wisdom, God said, you know, you're not going to be able to marry. He never made a convert. I mentioned that. And uh, again, he wanted to resign. So Jeremiah, what, what, a, what a ministry. Um, you know, he was given permission by the, the captain of the Babylonian guard when they came in and, and destroyed uh, Jerusalem. He was given special permission to stay, and he had a message to the remnant. Just so fascinating. I love towards the end of Jeremiah when uh, he speaks to the remnant because God had a message that was unusual and didn't fit what they thought God should say. Uh, Real quickly, this would be like a teaser for the future here, is that God wanted them to go to Egypt, or excuse me, God wanted them to stay in Babylon and submit themselves to Babylon. Now, these are the people that just conquered them. These are the people that they were now in servitude of. And God said, I want you to stay here because that's what's best. 
This is my judgment, my punishment, but I will take care of you if you stay here. That was Jeremiah's message. They had it in their mind that Egypt was the Savior. That if they could just go to Egypt, then they would be okay. But in the beginning, they wanted to hear, they wanted to ease their conscience, I think. And so they asked Jeremiah, pray for us so that, and get the word of God on whether we should stay or whether we should go to Egypt. And Jeremiah said, I'll do that, but you have to agree that you're going to submit to it because I'll tell you only what God wants. And like, we promise. This is my paraphrase. We promise you we'll do exactly what you say. We just want to know what God wants. That's what they said. But by the way their actions were, they had their mind made up. They might, they already like, uh, yeah, I know, God's going to send us to Egypt. And so Jeremiah comes back and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you, you're not going to like it. He says, you need to stay here and submit to Babylon. And immediately, it's so, what a great story. I love this story. Because at first they're like, oh, we will do, we just want to do what God says. You just tell us. He tells them. They didn't like it. They immediately, oh, you're lying. God didn't say that. Isn't that amazing? You and I need to be so careful of our own way, getting our own way, when God is trying to get us to do something else. It never works out good. Now I want to close. I want you to turn to Ezekiel chapter 2. Now Ezekiel, very similar. By the way, it's right after Jeremiah. Ezekiel chapter 2. Actually, it's after Lamentations, which was also written by Jeremiah. And Ezekiel chapter 2 was really, would be, would be very applicable to what God was calling. In fact, we're going to read in Jeremiah chapter 1 that God was basically saying to Jeremiah the same thing that he articulates in more detail here to Ezekiel. So look at Ezekiel chapter 2, beginning of verse 3. And he said unto me, Son of man, that was a common uh, title for Ezekiel. He said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me, even unto this very day. For they are impotent, they're shameless, they're insolent, is the idea of that. They are impotent children and stiff-hearted. I do send thee unto them, and thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. And now listen to what God's telling Ezekiel. And they, whether they will hear, or whether they will forbear, for they are a rebellious house. He just he says this several times. Hey, Ezekiel, I'm going to send you to a people that don't want to hear what you have to say. You're going to represent me. You're going to tell them what I'm going to tell you to tell them. But they're not going to want to hear it. They are rebellious. They're stiff-hearted. Have I told you they are rebellious and they are stiff-hearted? And I'm going to send you to them. And verse 6, Thou son of man, be not afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns be with thee. In other words, these people were going to say, not only are they not, they're not just, it's not that they're going to be apathetic. Oh, I don't care. These people are going to be downright caustic. Huh. Caustic? against God's ways. Can you imagine that? Imagine living in a place where 
simply speaking God's truth was as if you were trying to pick a fight. Like you thought that maybe unborn children shouldn't be slaughtered. Well, he doesn't believe, you see some of these ads today, he doesn't believe in a woman's right to choose, you know, uh, women's freedom and all that. What? Though thorns and briars be with thee, thou dost dwell among scorpions. Boy, God didn't think too highly of these people as he knew how they were going to respond. You're living, you feel like sometimes like you're living among scorpions? Be not afraid of their words nor be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Now, by the way, God would tell Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces, because it was the same thing. You know, it's so easy for us folks to to judge or temper our words based on what our anticipated response is. You ever done that conversation with someone at work, neighbor, family? And even before you talked to them about what you were going to talk to them about, you anticipated what their response was. Maybe even just, if it's someone you live with and know very well, maybe even just their facial expression. You knew and were anticipating that, and therefore you put, took that into consideration and maybe didn't say what you were going to say. Well, God is telling Ezekiel, and he would tell Jeremiah, doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter what their response is, I want you to preach to them. Look at verse 7. Thou shalt speak my words unto them. Again, he repeats this. Whether they will hear or whether they will forbear, for they are most rebellious. That's the second time he said that. You know what he's saying? He said the same thing to Jeremiah, basically. doesn't matter whether they respond or not. doesn't matter whether they receive your message. doesn't matter whether they accept that what you're saying is from me. I want you to go and I want you to tell them. Verse 9, and when I looked, behold, a hand was set. Uh, verse, verse 8, thou son of man, hear what I say unto thee. Be not thou rebellious like the house, like, like that rebellious house. How would Ezekiel be rebellious like them if he closed his mouth and didn't accept or didn't swallow what God was telling him? Open thy mouth and eat that I give thee. So here was Ezekiel's message, and this would be Jeremiah's message. And folks, this is our message. And Charlie preached it in Bible study today. We have to be faithful. That's what matters. It does not matter. And folks, the day you and I are living in, I've realized as I've lived and talked and walked among preachers of old, my, you know, the mentors, the pastors that we're pastoring in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. We are living in a different time, and they know it. They are Many of them are just dumbfounded by what's been happening to our country. Uh, and many of them have great compassion for us younger preachers, you know, that what, what we're called to do. But here's the point. The response isn't what matters to God. He just wants us to be faithful. So, folks, let's forget about the results of our message as much as we can. And let's just be faithful. Let's just be faithful. Because that's what Jeremiah was called to do. I, it is of the Lord that we are in this book. Uh, and over the next few months, next year, I think I could safely say next year, we are going to learn so much that is going to help us in the day that we live. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray for your blessing uh, through this text as we go through the book of Jeremiah. 
And uh, Father, help us to take heed to this. Help us, uh, especially those with a tender heart, like Jeremiah, that are, that are affected very much by what's going on around them because we love people, we care, uh, and therefore, Father, uh, it, it, it rattles us, it shakes us. But Lord, help us to learn. Help us to be like Jeremiah, though we may have to weep, though we may have to be heartbroken. Help us to be faithful so that we might honor you. We pray in Jesus' precious name.